0: support for TPR comes from Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping employers get their people home safely. Preventing workplace accidents protects families and keeps businesses productive. More at texasmutual.com.
1: From Texas Public Radio, this is Texas Matters, a weekly radio news magazine that looks at the issues, events, and people in the Lone Star State today on Texas Matters. The Uvalde School Massacre, Lives lost, lies told, accountability on hold. The children that didn't make it, we don't hear their voice anymore. But I promise you one thing, we will speak for them. This is Texas Matters from Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. Over the past year, Texans experienced many ups and downs, but there's no doubt the worst day of 2022 was on May 24th. That's the day a gunman entered Robb Elementary School in Uvalde and fatally shot 19 students and two teachers. We're going to review what happened in Uvalde, and you would think this gets easier, but it doesn't. This is graphic and disturbing. We're going to hear the 911 calls of children asking for help. That doesn't come until it's too late. This is going to be upsetting for many to hear, but I'm using this audio because I think people need to hear it because they need a realistic idea of what happened that day at Robb Elementary, in the classroom, in the hallway, and what those children and teachers had to face. This was the last day of school before summer break in Uvalde. It was awards day, but it was also just days after the shooter's 18th birthday when he was legally able to buy an assault rifle and then go on a killing spree after shooting his grandmother in the face.
2: He's inside the school shooting at the kids. <laughs>
1: this is nine one one audio first obtained by ProPublica and the Texas Tribune. The gunman entered the school through a door with a malfunctioning lock and then opened fire.
2: Get in the get in room. room.
1: Police quickly arrived at the scene. After trying to charge the gunman and then taking gunfire, They retreated down the hallway where they would wait for over 70 minutes. Hallway surveillance video showed that they had ballistic shields, body armor, and heavy weaponry. The children inside the classroom only had their cell phones that they used to call for help.
2: There's somebody banging at my school at the rear
0: parking lot. i in the street. I'm near the funeral home. I'm in the house. Getting out you are.
1: The dispatch recordings show that law enforcement was informed that school was occupied with students in the classrooms.
0: 422, two units. The classroom should be in session right now. The class should be in session.
1: But other dispatch recordings reveal that wrong information was being shared about efforts to end the school shooting. Just be
0: advised, 401 is in the room with the shooter. 401 is in the room with the
1: shooter. 401 is the code name for Uvalde School District Police Chief Pete Arredondo, who, by some accounts, was the incident commander. He was not in the room with the shooter. He was in the hallway. This miscommunication could have been corrected if Arredondo had his radio with him. He later told investigators that he deliberately left his radio in his car because it didn't work in the school building. And the 911 calls continued from inside the classroom.
0: County 911. Oh, Hello,
2: ma'am.
0: Can you hear me? is advising he is in the room full of victims, full
1: of victims at this moment. Here is Arredondo telling officers that he's aware that there are victims and he didn't want any more.
0: We have victims in here. We don't want to have any more. You know what
1: so the officers continue to wait and stack up in the hallway while there were more 911 calls from the other side of that door.
0: There's a school fielding. Yes, I am aware. I was talking to you earlier. You're still there in your room? You're still in room 112? Yeah. Okay, you stay on the line when do not disconnect. Can can you tell the police to go to my room? I already told them to go to the room. We're trying to get someone to you.
1: Police officers waited for more than an hour and 14 minutes on site before breaching the classroom to engage the
0: shooter. Shooter's down. Shooter's down. Thank you.
1: Police also cordoned off the school grounds, resulting in violent conflicts between police and civilians, including parents, who were attempting to enter the school to rescue their own children.
2: You know that there are kids, right? They're little kids. They don't know how to defend themselves. Six-year-old kids in there, they don't know how to defend themselves from a shooter.
1: Meanwhile, Texas Public Radio and NPR were beginning to report the developments as they were made available.
2: There's been a shooting at an elementary school in Texas. It happened at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, about 85 miles west of San Antonio.
1: TPR's Brian Kirkpatrick was one of the first reporters on the scene. Here's an excerpt from an interview that he did that day with Erica Escamilla. She has a niece at Robb who survived the shooting. She just put her hands over her ears and got down into a ball and she said, It felt like I was having a heart attack. I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. And I just want to say sorry to the children
0: <laughs> they're innocent, you know.
2: <clears throat>
0: they don't know. They don't know what's really going on in the world like we do.
1: In the days following the school shooting, there were prayer vigils and calls for togetherness. Yuvalde Strong was a popular hashtag, but then it turned to anger when families learned that law enforcement waited for more than an hour to confront the gunman. The story continued to get worse with every new revelation.
0: Innocence doesn't hide. Innocence doesn't change its story. But innocence did die on May 24th at Robb Elementary. Not just the victims, but every survivor, every child that heard those shots, every child that ran from the school, every teacher that stood steadfast in front of their children.
1: That was Brett Cross, who lost his nephew, Uzziah Garcia, in the shooting. Local and state officials tried their best to hide the 911 calls that told the actual story of what happened. Texas Public Radio helped form the first of its kind media collaboration to gain access to those recordings, while the families seeking answers and accountability turned to activism. Here's Jesse Riesel. The children that didn't make it, we don't hear their voice
2: anymore. But I promise you one thing, we will speak for them. You will hear their voice through us, until accountability takes place. It took
1: months and tremendous public outcry, but eventually Arredondo, the school district police chief was fired and the entire school police force was suspended. Here's Brett Cross again, who led a sit in protest for 10 straight days.
0: I was staying here until they did that and they did it. So now I'm going home.
1: For the families and Uvalde community, every day brought new challenges, like the first day back to school.
2: Am I gonna, still be able to keep my composure when those kids come in and have an anxiety attack over being here at school and feeling scared? Um, Am I going to be able to handle that? And I hope I am, but I'm not sure.
1: The first Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead.
0: The myth, the legend, whatever, it's today they're here with us, here dancing around, having a good time with our families.
1: And the first Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. I spoke to Jesse Rizzo, whose niece Jackie Cazares was killed at Robb Elementary about how the families are holding up over the holidays.
2: It's been traumatic, it's been challenging, emotional, roller coaster. I mean Thanksgiving and then Christmas. Christmas we were the type of people that you basically stay up on the twenty fourth and, you know, welcome the twenty fifth in, wish everybody a Merry Christmas, but and you know, it was kinda it was very somber it was there but it was there's was no happiness kind of thing so it's it's tough a lot of crying uh listening to music remembering reflecting not the same anymore
1: i'm um thinking about new year's eve and uh, typically people pop a lot of fireworks i would just imagine how terrible that would be if you were a kid in the school and you had gone through that experience Fireworks are going to be um a triggering for a kid like that,
2: I think so. I think you're a thousand percent right I think uh it's you know a lot of them have been through counseling and continue to go to counseling, but it could be a setback. you know to to hear the the noise It does that to us, and you know we're adults already, but as a child, you know it we have to caution the parents to. Gauge it, gauge your child as best as you can. See if they're ready for that again. Because it is, especially the guy, the people, that, the children that were closer to those rooms. That's going to be tough. Some of the stories that are, that the people have shared with us, the survivors, of course, you know that what the children go through and can't sleep at night, and they traumatized. They're heavily medicated. So, but, but,
1: but also the smell. I mean, there is a strong smell of gunpowder in the school i had heard and that's going to be the smell you know that's how it smells new year's eve
2: yeah you can see the smoke you can you can smell the smoke you can come the powder yeah and you can you can see the smoke but yeah it's uh and it's going to be like that for a long time especially the, the anybody that was in those hallways i mean in the hallways in the classroom near the classroom and then yeah the the survivors that were in that classroom You know, like another traumatizing event. That happens to us and and we're adults and you hear ambulances or like something startles you. Freak out a little bit. I cannot imagine a kid.
1: A lot of people don't realize the trauma that they're dealing with. Uh, We've had several instances uh, where there have been like schools where there was a report of an active shooter, but there wasn't one or there was like a, a school fight or something and then the police show up and then the parents show up and there's a confrontation with the law enforcement because the parents want to go in there and save their kids and it's a confusion. It's They're calling it the Uvalde effect because people have lost trust with schools and with law enforcement to keep their children safe and so it just gets ugly and spins out of control.
2: Yeah, we've heard stories even with uh, like the law enforcement training academy, that it's it's like that that they use Uvalde as an example. Don't pull a Yvaldi. And so, like you said, that's a good way of saying it. Yvaldi, uh, the Yvaldi effect. But that's exactly right. Sure. The aftermath. You know what happens? for poor people. Doesn't matter what law enforcement agency you're with. You know, don't do don't pull a Yvaldi. Don't do what Yvaldi did. Doesn't hmm. matter how you slice it. At all kinds of levels, we talked about the children, the smell, the hearing, the sight, and then the law enforcement guys. But yeah, there is no trust. There's no, you know, the respect. And I've said this before, you know, to my buddies. I go, when we were growing up, when you said the sheriff's in town, or you know, the sheriff, he was, he was, he was somebody that you had respect for. You had somebody that's supposed to be trusted, and out of all agencies, here's the sheriff. You know, I don't know if it was movies that made you think that way, or just your parents' upbringing, or whatever it was, but now, I have no respect for him.
1: So, uh, we're coming to an end of this year, 2022, and we're going into 2023. Some people, they want to leave Uvalde in 2022, but I think the message that you and other uh, adults of the loved ones who were lost, that you want everyone to know that in 2023 you're still going
2: to be at this? 1,000%, well, 100%, yes, sir. It is something that is not going to go away. There's still a lot of unanswered questions. It's a its a long battle. It's a long journey that's that's ahead of us. But we are committed. The families are committed. The friends that are with us are committed and we will find new ways to bring attention to the subject. Well,
1: I wonder about this message that, I mean, every parent should know that nothing has been done since Uvalde to keep another Uvalde from happening. And every community is just one messed-up kid's bad day away from having to deal with the same thing that, that y'all are dealing with.
2: Yeah, you're right, it, it's, it, we hope it never happens, but nothing's really changed, like you said, besides a couple of people resigning. The laws haven't changed, you know, they got a lot of attention, but you're 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 right again, I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna be that one kid that's been thinking about it, that it sees an opportunity
1: The new legislative sessions coming up. So y'all, the the families of of the lost children and teachers um, are figuring out how you'll be able to present a message looking for action from the legislature. It doesn't sound like they're going to be receptive to the idea of raising the limit to buy an an assault rifle or putting a red flag law to uh, protect schools. I mean, so, but you're still planning on Going to Austin, protesting, going to committee hearings, uh, uh, trying to keep your message uh, alive. Is that the plan?
2: That is, Yes, sir. That is the plan. That, is, that will continue to be the plan. We owe it to the children. We owe it to the teachers. That's what they would want us to do. You know. And not only that, we don't want someone else to have to live this nightmare. Like you said earlier, you know, you got one guy that, that one day, one bad day ahead of him that, you know, he's going to do the same thing. If you don't go and fight the fight, and it happens again, then how can you sleep the next night? How can you go on with your own life, knowing that you could have done something, but you chose not to do it because it was too hard, too challenging, that no one was going to open the door for you. You can't. You 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 just wouldn't be able to live with yourself, knowing that you could have met that one politician that could have listened to you, that maybe could have moved the needle. So. No action is not an option. One guy really, really inspires me, and that's Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. Odds are against him. He's against a beast, right? He could get demolished, he could get wiped out. And what does he do? Somehow, some way, this man convinces his people that you got to keep fighting, even though, you know, like you saw on the news, all these missiles are getting fired at, at his country. But his country doesn't fold. He doesn't back down, and so all he's got is hope and faith, and that's the only thing he can deliver. So, you tie that into what we're going through, and that's all you can do, right? And so he—he—and that's how I see it. I, I get inspired by people like that. The other people that inspire you are people like Caitlin, you know, the, the little girl. Yeah. By now, you know who she is, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: Caitlin, Faith, And these these are like a ten year old. If you can't do what a 10-year-old can do, I don't know what's wrong with you. Because that little girl, she's got she's got some guts, faith going out there and testifying, you know, before in Washington D.C. That takes a lot of guts. It takes guts, period. And will you take a young kid to do that? And it just, you know, how can you not do? How can you not stand with her? So, to answer your question, you know, as long as God gives us breath and an ability to walk and talk, you know, we can do the rest.
1: Jesse Rizzo is a spokesperson for the families of Uvalde who lost loved ones in the Robb Elementary mass shooting. This is Texas Matters from Texas Public Radio. There were 376 officers at the scene in Uvalde, including 91 DPS troopers. But there are still few answers about why one gunman was able to hold them off as he slaughtered children. We might get some answers in the upcoming legislative session. Roland Gutierrez is a Texas state senator. The Democrat represents the Uvalde area and has filed a bill to raise the age to buy an assault rifle to 21.
0: If people only saw how easily this young man obtained those guns, uh, how easily he went to get the ammunition three days in a row, it would shock your conscience and it would shock your mind at how easy it was. We need to have real change on this.
1: There was that special Senate committee which you were not assigned to, that came up with recommendations for responding to the catastrophe of Uvalde. Uh, there was not an age raising limit to twenty-one for a, an assault rifle. There were no. There was no recommendation for a red flag law. Uh, there were some other recommendations, but nothing that seemed would have actually have prevented Uvalde. It doesn't seem like the legislature is going to be ready to adopt anything that will make it more difficult for anyone in Texas to g- get a, an assault
0: rifle. Well, I will tell you that these families are different and they're relentless. And they're going to lobby the legislature. Number one, it's part of their healing process. It's almost some kind of cathartic thing that they need to get through this. Um, They're never going to be able to heal. Uh, They're never going to be able to get their kids back. The only thing that they have forward to is a duller sense of pain. But as their own mission, and everyone will tell you this, they don't want another family to go through this again. This legislature, the people, those members of the House and the Senate are going to have to listen and hear their stories. And they're going to have to decide for themselves what we're going to do going forward. I'm not going to stop trying. The recommendations are light on gun safety solutions.
1: So there was a catastrophic failure all the way through what happened in Uvalde, and the most recent revelations show that children had to be taken to the hospital in a school bus, that there was no operational command that coordinated where they could present the EMS emergency medical vehicles so they could have a rapid, effective, and uh, apply treatment and get people to hospitals in an orderly quick way. Should legislation be put in place to try to, to correct that? Is that possible?
0: systemic failures that happened on that day are the worst law enforcement response to a tragedy of this nature in our nation's history and we have zero accountability we have zero measures going forward and we're supposed to expect and trust the same agency that failed to number one investigate itself and fix itself to your point, it is not the legislature's job to go out and teach law enforcement how to do it in law enforcement. But we've got to find some policies in place and certainly some accountability measures in place that are going to shed some real light as to what happened and show the culpability of the Texas Rangers and the Department of Public Safety, because it is.
1: The legislature will be convening in January. Typically, we, Steve McCraw comes to the various committees. And he uh, will talk to the lawmakers. And, I mean, you know this. You've done this yourself. And he'll tell them all the great things that the DPS is doing and why the funding should be increased. And lawmakers ask some questions. And and he he leaves. How is that going to happen again this year? I had expected that Steve McCraw would have resigned by now so he wouldn't have to face those committees. But it looks like that's not going to happen.
0: I will be in every committee room that he is in. And whether those chairmen want to allow me to ask him questions is up to them. But I will ask him questions about those failures and about the miss, about the half-truths and the innuendo and the lies. The fact is this governor has done a colossal failure, and I promise not to be too political. But you have to be able to ask for accountability of your managers. Steve McCraw is a manager of our top law enforcement agency, and he is still sitting there. And the worst response to a tragedy of this nature in our nation's history, he's still sitting there. He promised on television that he would resign if there were systemic failures. By God, we just find out this week that children had to take a bus because they couldn't get ambulances into the site, into the facility. You had four children in a bus that were bussed over to a hospital, four injured children. We can certainly do better than that in 2022.
1: So this happened in 2022. It was the biggest story of this year. We're going into 2023. Some people they want to close the book on 2022 and close the book on Uvalde simultaneously. Are I guess the families and others are going to insist you cannot close the book on Uvalde? I mean, is that what you're hearing?
0: I can't close the book on Uvalde, David. I I see these images in my before I go to bed every night. I see children with their faces blown off. I see things that I could never ever want to see again. I know these families, and I now on Facebook, I see their you know their children's pictures from last year that they put up on Facebook for Christmas or their birthdays, and I see these kids that I saw just mangled. Um, we should not ever close this book because until we fix it. And we as legislators have to fix it. I hope and pray that I can convince a few Republicans to do a modicum of gun safety. To do a modicum. We're not asking to take people's guns away, we're asking them to take them away from 18 year olds. We keep opening this door and giving more access to guns to kids. They, we don't even let them buy cigarettes. It's just crazy. We deserve better as Texans. We've got to be really super focused on this because we deserve better.
1: Roland Gutierrez is a Texas state senator representing the Uvalde area. When news broke that there was a school shooting in nearby Uvalde, I didn't want to go cover it. I had been one of the first reporters at the scene at the 2017 Sutherland Springs church shooting that took 26 lives. I had witnessed the deep, heaving cries of family members as they received the worst news imaginable. Other TPR reporters headed to the scene in Uvalde, and I opted to cover the story from the newsroom. I knew the routine, scraped the Internet for clues about the suspected gunman from social media, gather background on the school district's policies for active shooters, and record, then cut up, the streamed press conferences to pump out newscast stories about the developing tragedy. The news kept getting worse and worse. I soon realized that not actually being physically present in Uvalde wasn't going to protect me from the horror there. And I wasn't the only one that was realizing this. This is true for everyone who was hearing the news of the shooting. The gunman's intent was to inflict as much harm as possible on the world by committing the cruelest act possible. So we were all being harmed by Uvalde. Of course, our level of hurt is not comparable to that of the parents and the relatives who lost their loved ones that day. Nevertheless, everyone was damaged by Uvalde. Mass shootings have become somewhat routine in Texas, and there is now a prefabricated agenda on how they will be presented to the public. It has become a performance, and everyone knows their role. No information about the shooter or the casualties are to be released until Governor Greg Abbott arrives in his helicopter and holds a big press conference. This time in Uvalde, at first, we were told about the heroic police officers and that as bad as this was, it could have been worse. But after reporters kept digging, it became clear it was worse, and the first responders weren't heroic. They huddled in the hallway for over 70 minutes while the children and teachers bled out. After the initial shooting in Uvalde, there were calls for accountability. I went to Uvalde to cover that part of the story. I reported on heartbroken families who protested for days demanding improved school safety and the firings of those who failed their children. And a few people did lose their jobs, and there was a public shaming. These were small victories in the middle of a terrible time. But will this prevent the next Uvalde? A state Senate special committee recently released their recommendations to counter school mass shootings, which basically called for hardening school campuses and arming teachers, calling them school marshals, and the expansion of an unproven social media monitoring program. It didn't recommend raising the age to buy an assault rifle to 21, which is what the parents of Uvalde want. They know in their gut-wrenching grief that as bad as it is to lose a child in the school shooting, it's worse to know that others will follow. There will be more mass shootings in Texas, and again, we will follow the routine. Newsrooms will scramble to cover the story. The governor will arrive in his helicopter, and little brightly painted coffins will be lowered into the ground until people have had enough. That's it for this edition of Texas Matters. We're going to end the program with Brett cross reading the names of the victims of Uvalde.
0: Before I leave, I'd like to remind y'all why we're here and their names are Uzi Garcia, Lexi Rubio, Jackie Amory Joe Garza, Tess Mata, De Rodriguez, Ellie Garcia, Rogelio Torres, Xavier Lopez, McKenna Elrod, Leila Salazar, Miranda Mathis, Navea Bravo, Jose Flores Jr. Eliana Torres, Annabelle Rodriguez, Jayla Seguero, Alithia Ramirez, Eva Morales, and Irma Garcia. Support for TPR comes from Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping employers get their people home safely. Preventing workplace accidents protects families and keeps businesses productive. More at TexasMutual.com.